You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Three weeks ago at Awaken, we had uh, this couple that came and visited us, and you guys, hopefully you got to meet them. Uh, they, they were uh, they were just really cool. They were a little bit older. They uh, Their names are Virgie and Frank, and Virgie and Frank uh, visited Natchitoches kind of on their on their first wedding anniversary. It was their second honeymoon, and these are a couple who have found each other and got together later on in life, and they were so sweet and so cute, and their love was just overwhelming almost. But the love that they gave to me and to awaken renewed our hope in God's vision for awaken like there was this moment of like here's these people we've never met before they were in town on, on, on their second honeymoon and decided to come to church and made the choice to join us at Parkway Cinema, a church at a movie theater of all places and they joined us and they they, they didn't just you know, sit in a small group of, of folks uh, in a movie theater, but worshiped and encouraged and, and, and gave feedback. And it was, it was wonderful. And I certainly have felt a renewed hope from that, that, com- that, 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 uh, that experience with Virgie and Frank. Now, what renews your hope? Words of affirmation, physical touch, uh, you know, those kind of things can renew my hope. What renews your hope? Last week we looked at one of the the definitions of hope. It's that it's this one definition of hope is a person or a thing in which expectations are centered. And this is the definition we're working from in this series that's leading us into our celebration on Easter Sunday, just a few weeks away. We're just calling this series simply hashtag hope, with it with the idea that a hashtag is something that. <coughs> It takes different um, thoughts and ideas and images and, and, and brings them together with one theme. And that theme for us is hope. And we're in this letter in the Bible in the New Testament called First John. So I want to encourage you to grab a Bible, if you could, as we go through this time together today, and, and, and turn to First John chapter 2. And what we're doing is we're going through uh, a chapter a week as we head into Easter Sunday. And and so today we're going to cover chapter 2. And so we're going to kind of read a little bit. We're going to dig into it. We're going to read a little more and dig into it and see where the Holy Spirit takes us today. So as you're turning to 1 John 2, just a reminder that this is a letter, an ancient letter. It's written by John, who was a disciple and a very close friend of Jesus. And, and, and he was written to followers of Jesus that were it's about 60 years or so, give or take, after the resurrection. And it was written to encourage them to to keep to, to, to let their hope remain in Jesus despite everything that was going on around them. And, and so we find here that there's definitely hope for us in these words. So here we go. 1 John 2, beginning in verse 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing 
writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have heard from the beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also and, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is always shining. It's already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. That's verse 11. We're going to pause there, dig in a little bit deeper with this big idea. Hope is the result of your love for God and for others. Hope is the result of your love for God and your love for others. The first thing I want to kind of to spend a little time on is this idea, and it's not a new thought or a new idea. It's something we have discussed from day one at Awaken. It's something been, this, this idea has been around for a long time, and it's this. Love is a verb. Love is a verb. We have this t-shirt that we had made a couple of years ago for, for all the, 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 the team at the time. Everybody who was a part of the, the foundational team at Awaken at, the, at that time, we made shirts uh, for this group. And it says on the front, I am a verb. I am a verb. It's supposed to be a conversation starter where you the back says Jesus is the subject, right? I'm the verb. I am a verb. Jesus is the subject. And so we had this this T-shirt made, but the implication is that 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 love is an action word, and I'm here to take the action of love. That that is that is who I am in Christ because Jesus is the subject of my life. I am to be His love in action. What are the implications that love is an action verb, and and that we are to be that verb? I love verse 7. John says, My friends, I'm not writing a new command to you, but you've always had it. It's the ancient, it's of an ancient origin. It's just the same today. Love one another. Now, if the if the first readers got this, and, and they would have been they very familiar with the Torah, with, you know, in the Old Testament, the the the, the beginnings, the where this passage comes from. Love your neighbor. And, and so which tells us the story of Yahweh, the, 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 the Torah, tells us the story of, of God and his people. And, and a significant part of this story is to love one another by serving one another. You find in the Torah, Leviticus 19.18 says, Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we, like, we sometimes we quote that, love your neighbor as yourself, and we forget that first part. Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. John says, this isn't really a new command. Check your heart. The, the call to serve one another is written on it. Your heart, the call to serve each other with love is written on your heart. That's why selfishness will ultimately leave you feeling empty. So we've got to put love into action. And, we, and, and putting love into action requires personal sacrifice and personal discomfort. Think about, you know, for me, personal sacrifice. I, I have a, a, a nine-year-old named Niall, and he loves Nick Jr., which is a, the TV channel with all the kiddie cartoons and those kind of things. And and he wants to come sometimes and, and watch it while I'm watching something else. Now, usually what I'm watching is a, is a rerun of an old sitcom. But, but, but you know, it's a sacrifice to giving up the remote to Niall. And I don't always like to do it, but you know what I do sometimes? I do it because I love him. And I want to put that into action. And if I could see this the same episode of Andy Griffith for the 137th time, or I can show my son that I love him, why not let him put it on Paw Patrol, give him the remote, 
and sit with him and watch Paw Patrol for a few minutes. Putting love into action requires personal sacrifice. And it requires personal discomfort. I, I, I do things around the house. Like I, I do the laundry for our home. I cook dinner most of the nights of the week. And, and it's not always the most comfortable thing to, to be the guy doing the laundry and cooking the dinner. But I do this not because I, I'm this great guy, but I just want this, this is love in action. So we have a history and reputation in the church of little tolerance for those who are not like us. And I'm certainly not advocating that anything goes, but 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 why instead of encouraging, do we put down and gossip about and and, and crack jokes and 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 then sometimes in the harshest cases vilify people? And, and again, there are standards and expectations, but but we can't show hatred and say we love them. See, the standard is Jesus, and the expectation is grace. And as, we, as the Holy Spirit takes us through the process of becoming more like Jesus, we must remember that none of us has arrived. And the, last ver, the, the last part of verse 8 here says, For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. See, there is hope of, of bearing burdens for one another. That, that we walk through the struggles of life together and this darkness begins disappearing and the true light of Jesus shines brighter and brighter. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who, re- who, who rejoice. And, and as we do both, it's our presence that declares that there is hope. John says that, that if we claim to be living in the light, if we claim to be spiritually awakened, but we don't love one another, we're actually still living in the darkness. Being the love of Jesus to others brings us into the light. Hope is loving one another the way you want to be loved. And that means we serve one another. We encourage one another, bearing burdens, and we pray for one another. And it means we're all in this together. It means we're all in this together. This is a thought we need to spend some time on. You know, uh, for me, it's like just remembering that you're part of something bigger than yourself. (laughs) How does remembering that you're a part of, of something bigger than yourself give you hope? Well, Let's look here. First, 1 John 2 continues with, with a poem in verses 12 through 14. I am writing to you who are, who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature in your faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I am writing to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts, and you have won the battle with the evil one. Now, in this poem, we see this word that we see some some, some uh, words used over and over here, like children, and uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at what these words uh, kind of mean deeper when you look at the context it was originally written in the in the Greek language and there's different words used here so verse 12 the word children is this word technion and technion literally means an infant <laughs> and is used figuratively for a new believer so the comparison is to a baby who's just learned to recognize his, her, her her father or his father this is the, this is the new follower of Jesus who is just beginning to learn and in this stage of intimacy we cling to the way of Jesus and we also hang on to the way of the world of dealing with life and relationships and offenses so we hang on to both we cling to Jesus but we also cling to the way of this culture and God's plan for your spiritual growth and development is that you grow and develop 
Get that? God's plan for your spiritual growth and development is that you grow and develop. <laughs> so the good news is that you don't have to fully understand it to experience it. Now in verse 14, John uses a different word that translates as children. And this word in the Greek language was pahadion. And pahadion, uh, uh, forgive my pronunciation, I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, but pahadion means childling or a toddler. It's, it's a figurative for, for an immature believer, like not fully developed yet. It's like toddlers still have this, this self-centered world, but, the, but they're learning to respond to basic discipline. They're, they're, they're able to eat a little more solid food, but, but you still have to clean up after them. I mean, toddlers are messy and tend to, to leave a mess everywhere they go. And these Christians in this stage, they get it. They, they see the church, but they, but they need patience and grace and sound teaching of the Bible and, and patience and role models and truth and patience and love and instruction. And, and guess what? More patience. <laughs> the toddlers had the tendency to get into squabbles about possessions and rights and desires. And they get their feelings hurt very easily. They don't fight fair, and they tend to be selfish and irrational. And as you go through this stage, you begin to understand this isn't where your spiritual development needs to stay. As someone grows through this stage, we are called to be patient and instructive. Now, John also says he's writing to those who are young in the faith. He says, uh, he uses this word here, it tra- uh, literally translates as young men in Greek. It's, uh, it's neniskos, neniskos. And uh, it means youth. It typically refers to someone under 40 years old. And it's here, it's talking to a developing believer, someone who is developing. They're, they're, they're not just growing a little bit, um, you know, and they're still immature, but they're developing and towards maturity. And often they have more enthusiasm and energy than they have wisdom. I mean, think about yourself in this life. You're like, as a, <laughs> maybe as a teenager, you're developing as a teenager, and you have more enthusiasm and energy than wisdom. But John says that they are strong because the Word of God lives in them. They, are, they have experienced some victory over some of the basic temptations of the flesh in the world, and they are still gaining experience. And John says, uh, that spiritual youth, you are strong, but temptation is strong too. Many followers of Jesus at this stage have fallen to the power of lust and sex and pride and fame and fortune. But but here's the truth. The The more Jesus abides in you, the stronger you become. Most of us who fail at this stage can can trace that failure to drifting from our relationship with Jesus. And then in verses 13 and 14, he says, uh, he, he also writes to those who are mature in the faith. And there's a, the word here literally translates as father. It's pater. But it's also used to represent a parent. Like this is poetic language in this, this part of the letter uh, of, first, of, of first John. And, and, it's, and this is used to represent a mature believer. Like you're not just mature, but you are a parent. You are helping others develop. It's not just about you and your maturity. It's about you developing, passing the baton of faith and hope to the next generation. So at this stage, there's loving actions, but the focus is not on the actions, but on knowing Jesus more and more and becoming more like him. That's the focus. That's the focus. Now, the last piece of this, and we're going to read the rest of chapter 2, of first John is that hope stays the course. Hope stays the course. Beginning of verse 15 and reading through the end of the chapter. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. 
For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but, from, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already have many Antichrists have appeared. From, uh, from this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as He taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. So when people ask me if I think we're living in the last days, what they really seem to ask me is, are we going to see Jesus come back in our lifetime? (laughs) That's a question no one can truly answer with certainty, by the way. But Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour. But the answer to the question, are we living in the last days, are are more simple. Because the New Testament teaches that the end times or the final hour, the, the, the last hour or the final era began at the resurrection and the day of Pentecost and will continue until Jesus returns again. So, so yes, absolutely. John, says, so John could say the last hour is here 2,000 years ago. Now, in the New Testament, this refers to the last era of human history, the reign of the Messiah, King Jesus, who, by the way, is now reigning. Jesus is Lord. God is now here. Now, the idea of the Antichrist has its origins in, in a Jewish rabbinic texts that, that began about 500 years before the birth of Jesus. And they refer to an anti-Messiah or false messiahs who would lead people astray from the way of the true Messiah. So, so John is, is the only writer in the Bible who actually uses this term antichrist, which is a, which is a compound of, of Greek words that literally translate as opposite Messiah or instead of Messiah. So, so John says, you've heard that an antichrist is coming. Well, pay attention. Already many antichrists have appeared. And he doesn't depict a person to come to usher, usher in some new era or the end of the world as we know it. He says, there are many who are antichrist. There are many who are antichrist. And John says, here's how you recognize who is antichrist. Anyone who denies Jesus is Messiah. That's it. John says in verse 24, remain faithful. Here, here's the point of all this. Stay the course. All these things are going on. They were going on then. Things, things, things like this are going on now. And John says, here's the point. 
Remain faithful. Stay the course. Keep it 100. And, 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 and hope stays the course. And in verse 27, he says, this is the helpful part. The Holy Spirit lives in you and teaches you everything that is true. So you don't need anyone to teach you. He isn't, he isn't saying don't have human teachers or else he wouldn't, he wouldn't have needed to send a letter, would he? Dear children, you already know grace and peace. I mean, I don't, I don't think that would be a great, uh, uh, you know, a great letter. What John means is that because you have the Holy Spirit, the divine teacher given to every believer, there is no additional secret knowledge, referring again to these Gnostics. We've been talking about the Gnostics of the last week or so. That they There was a group that, uh, that was in, involved in the church life here who were kind of had this, this, this Gnosticism, which was their philosophy, and, and, and they were saying things like Jesus was God and was God he's the Messiah but he was not a human he didn't have a real physical body and and it's like and we have secret knowledge of this and John is writing this to say there's no additional secret knowledge into into which you have to be initiated you have the holy spirit now in verse 28 and 29 John encourages us to remain in fellowship with Christ and with one another Christ is righteous, and everyone who does right are the children of God. See, love, love equals hope. Love equals hope. This week, take the next step and, and look for an opportunity to put love into action. Watch for others who, who give you hope by their loving actions. Maybe give them a shout-out. Give them a personal thank you, absolutely. But maybe give them a shout-out. Post about it on social media. Use the use hashtag hope to bring together thoughts and ideas and images under this one theme that God has given us for this moment. <laughs> hope. Lord, we thank you for your hope. We thank you that 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 you have given us, you've shown us, you have shared with us your love. And your love equals hope in our lives. And Lord, you have made us your action word. You have made us your love to be in action, Lord, so that we may spread this hope. We may bring this hope that, that our love would equal hope, not in just in our lives, but in the lives of others. So Lord, this week, equip us, help us, comfort us, direct us to how we can, we can, we can be love in action and, and show others that you, Jesus, are the subject of our lives. And in this way, we will celebrate how you are bringing hope into our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.